Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Tokyo on Fire. Today is June 30th, 2016. The funny business regarding the governor of Tokyo and who is going to replace him continues. Yesterday, Koika Yuriko threw her hat into the ring, and this is causing an awful lot of consternation, Michael. It's amazing that she's done this. She's gone out, well, we should first say who she is. She's a newscaster who started out her life in politics in 1992 with Hosokawa Morihiro and the New Life Party, mm -hmm. and has actually jumped from party to party, but landed eventually around the turn of the millennium in the LDP and has stayed there and been a, a basic LDP stalwart. She's served as the Minister of the Environment, and she served Minister as, of Defense. It was for a very short period of time. It was only a month before... It's still a big deal. I mean, a female cabinet member of that for defense. That's right. We, we've had women in the position of foreign minister, but in terms of defense, she's been the only one. Mm -hmm. And therefore, she's got a certain degree of street credibility. Right. And yesterday, she did something that people were hinting about and talking about, but didn't think would happen the way it did. She said, basically, I'm ready. I'm ready to run. I'm ready to formally announce. Yeah. Here's my press conference. Here's my press conference. I'm not announcing, though, right? because I haven't discussed this with anybody. And th today's headlines in all the newspapers are, Abe says, hasn't mentioned it to me. Mm -hmm. Local t LDP branch, no contact whatsoever. Sure, a lot of the anger has kind of surfaced just because she kind of pulled the trigger Early. I mean, apparently this is supposed to be a decision by committee. And she consulted with the committee. They came up with uh, maybe uh, a candidate to run up against her. And then she pulled the trigger and said, that's, you know, I want to be the front-running candidate. The, the real choice has to be made by the local chapter of the LDP. Formally, they're in charge. Mm -hmm. Of course, in the background, there is the national government and the head of the LDP itself, Mr. Abe, and the people around him. And of course, they'll be suggesting candidates for the local branch, the Tokyo branch, to choose. Mm -hmm. But that entire process has been short-circuited. Yes. Uh, Koike Yuriko, who's been on the political outs with Mr. Abe since she tried to support Ishiba Shigeru in something of a challenge to his leadership in the early part right. of his term, uh, she's, she's not seen any kind of really decent positions. She's been in PR positions for the LDP, which is nice. She gets mm -hmm. to talk, but is really not up to her level in terms of appointments. And she knows she's been on ice. She's suddenly come up with this idea that she deserves to take on this post that for other persons has, has been a poison chalice. Right. Well, there's a lot of reason to criticize her. I mean, even throughout her political career, she's changed parties three, four times. I, I, she... I, call, I call her the iron butterfly. Okay. She fl she's a tough lady, but she just flits from one party to the next. And normally that's that's a sign of, of character deficiency in, in the Japanese culture. You don't change jobs, you don't change political parties, and you stick to what your principles are, but she's kind of floated around, as, as you've said. But I think the prize is the governorship of Tokyo, and that's pretty big. And I think she's actually pretty clever and shrewd 
to have made this this bold move. Well, I think she knows that it's a PR position and that she's perfect for that. Mm -hmm. She's an extremely attractive, well-spoken, very telegenic. She has lots of training, both during her years as a newscaster, but also in all her years as a a face of the LDP or the new LDP, the modern LDP, as as Koizumi Junichiro tried to depict it right. with women in the forefront. That's right. Uh, and she he, played on that too, she, didn't she, she? She's done that and, and is just ready for this. And the LDP wants to go a completely different direction mm-hmm. on this. They, they wanted, instead of someone telegenic and someone forthcoming and who would be attractive to the voters, they actually wanted to dull the election down to almost nothing. Mm-hmm. The suggestion that they've put forward is a deadly dull one of the former vice minister of Infer- internal affairs of general of the general affairs uh, ministry, uh, a, a bureaucrat. Oh, he has some star power. His son is a member of a very popular band, and it's a good band. They can actually play instruments, right. uh, which is very rare in Japanese pop music, that they actually have some measure of talent. The name of the band is Arashi. Uh, Arashi. Right. I, I, I like them because they actually do play, mm-hmm. they own, they do play their music. But that's it. Okay, he's been vice minister, the highest bureaucratic position, but he's still just a bureaucrat. Mm-hmm. And they just seem to have wanted to tone down this election as much as possible, get through it, and put in a faceless, well, almost faceless bureaucrat. And that has just simply been exploded. Well, isn't it somewhat obvious that the LDP wants to contain and control who is getting the governorship? So, I mean, we've got the Olympics coming right down the path, and that's a huge pork barrel, potential pork barrel uh, project. It, it lasts for years, a lot of construction going on, and the LDP would like to be on top of that. And if there is a candidate that is kind of LDP, but kind of not, although she spoke on her, her press conference, yes, I'm, I'm an LDP candidate, I'm running as an LDP candidate, and I have the support of the LDP. Well, that's her story. A little bit of a stretch, though. Yeah, it's a bit of a stretch, because if you don't have anyone's agreement, then mm-hmm. you're going out on your own. You may have the party badge, you may have the, the you may be in the caucus, but she's really forced the issue. Sure, in, in in this kind of state of confusion, for her to pop up like that, I mean, it's it's really quite brilliant. Well, it's also very much the Koizumi playbook, mm-hmm. where you just suddenly put yourself forward and run with it. Right. And damn he, the torpedoes. Damn the torpedoes. Right. Do it. He did it several times before he was successful with mm-hmm. it. Now Koike is clearly needs to do this for her own personal career. She's been really sidelined. And this puts mm-hmm. her right in the center. Well, she's of always been mentioned as a as a top contender. You know, she was originally, and there was certainly some kind of interplay that had to do with the candidacy, possibly mm-hmm. of Ren Ho of the de- Democratic Party, so that you'd have two women running against each other for this very important post. Right. And that would look really great to have a woman as governor of Tokyo in the in the buildup for the Olympics and the Paralympics. Right. That this would be. A super PR move. Mm-hmm. That's not the way the LDP has wanted to go with it because of these two resignations. Right. They want to tamp it down, keep it down, and it, it, it's it's that's no longer possible. A bit of a think. dangerous. Sorry, it's a bit of a dangerous sideshow, isn't it? I mean, we've got we're already in campaign mode for the upper house election. Half of the upper house is going for elections. Have been in election mode for the last week. This is something that could cause a disruption, or uh, you know. Make people 
divert their attention to what the issue is, and that is, you know, let's vote on the upper house first, and then let's move on to the governor's election. I would say it's even more significant than that. I think that this is really the first indication of the erosion of Mr. Abe's control of the party, Mm -hmm. that this is the harbinger of the post-Abe era. Because, okay, he's going to get through the election. We know that. He know, we know that the party's going to do really well. At least we're going to, we'll go through the numbers sometime. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Abenomics really doesn't work. Mm-hmm. When you get down to it, the simple fact that, okay, corporate profits went up, yes, but that was due to a devaluation. And that devaluation is blown out of the water, both by Brexit, which has happened, but all kinds of other aspects of the world economy has completely erased all that effort. Mr. Kuroda has nothing left in his bazooka. Well, in fact, the dollar fell to below 100 yen to the dollar. And this is just, the the yen is just supercharged despite everything they tried to do to weaken it. Mm -hmm. And therefore, the exporters, when they do their next declaration of their profits, they're not going to be able to say we made a great deal of profit because the exchange rates have mm-hmm. moved against them. Right. So, sorry, this is this story. We have to continue on with the leadership that we have because Abenomics hasn't been allowed enough time to work. Well, it's right. not going to work. Right. And I think Koike Yuriko is a, a harbinger. She's, she's the clarion call. There is going to be a post-Abe era. And I'm going to be the first part of it. I don't know who's going to replace Abe, but I think this is a first sign of real internal weakness. Okay, so if if she is indeed a harbinger, it's kind of like Mr. Okada saying, you know, if, if I lose in my election district, then I will resign. With the prime minister and the governorship of Tokyo, if she wins, doesn't that kind of accelerate or accentuate the fact that Abenomics is on the skids? So doesn't that mean that the LDP is going to really come forcefully forward to defeat her in the uh, gubernatorial election? Oh, we don't know how this is all going to work out. She might run as an independent. There's no money in that, and it's really hard to do. But what I'm saying and thinking is that you don't try this unless you are willing to go into the wilderness. And why would you be willing to go into the wilderness if the party was certain to be in control forever? Uh-huh. Yeah, and, That's true. You right. know, you, know right. you, you don't just do this out of, out of sheer spite or, or just, I'm taking a risk. What mm-hmm. the heck? No, this, there, you have some kind of sense that the, there is weakness, there is some kind of change that's about to come. And you're just trying to get ahead of it. Right. Well, even if that wasn't the case, I mean, the prize is the governorship. So it is worth, you know, for some people, that gamble. Yeah. And I get, I really, I urge you, please run for the governorship. Uh, But I warn you, she's a very tough campaigner. Well, she looks pretty good. We're actually the same age. And uh, one of the policy secretaries that was on her staff is a member of the uh, the team here at Langley Esquire, too. That's right. Yes, so we have a lot in common. Please stay tuned. Koike Yuriko has thrown her hat into the ring. Gosh darn it. But we're going to continue to watch this and see what comes out. Welcome back, everybody. As we predicted, it is a time of funniness in Japanese politics. Just the other day, 
the policy secretary for the Communist Party was forced to resign, and the reason why might surprise you. Michael, you watched him on television last Sunday, didn't you? I did not watch him on television. I only got it later on. But what he said was something that was right straight down the Communist Party line. Of of yesteryear, but he, didn't he get the memo? Oh, well, the thing is, we I don't think he knew there was a memo, which is kind of strange, because he's the policy he's chief. He's the policy chief, He's the and he had to resign because he said something that um, upset people, okay, a lot so of people. So Mr. Fujino, the, the policy chief of the JCP, said in, in mid-sentence that the budget for the self-defense forces is the budget for killing people. Right. And we should think more about the budget to nurture people. That little twist is perfectly along the lines of what the JCP has been saying for 70 years. That's exactly what they have been saying. Right. But in, for some reason... The, we're in a new environment. We well, sure are. The, the, somehow this coordination that has happened between the JCP and the DP, which the LDP portrays as the communists taking over the Democratic Party, it's gone the other way. The, the DP immediately slammed what this, this statement, and the communists folded on it. He, he had to, didn't he? Well, I mean, uh, this is not along the storyline that we decided when we decided to come together. And it certainly isn't seemingly the, the new Communist Party seems to right. be really taking seriously re, the re-examination of all its mm. positions. We keep harping on it, but they were there at the beginning of this regular diet session at the first diet session, mm. which is led by the emperor. Right. They changed their, com- com- completely changed their previous actions as regarding the emperor. They now recognize that he has some kind of symbolic function. Mm-hmm. And now the SDF, they are against the SDF existing. They say it's an unconstitutional body. It should not, the self-defense forces should not exist under Article 9. Mm-hmm. But now because of this coordination that's happening, this alliance where they are supporting, along with the other four main opposition parties, joint candidates in 32 districts, suddenly the old line is no longer acceptable. Well, particularly now because the atmosphere is so charged. And when he made his statement, it was in a panel discussion on national television where they're talking policy, they're talking politics, they're talking about the election for the upper house. And he blurted this out, probably not thinking very much about it, but you know, what a, what a, a destructive effect that has had over the last couple of days. I mean, immediately at the panel, it didn't generate too much of a response, but the last couple of days, they're really hitting hard. He resigned, and now the who, who is serving in his his role now? That would be uh, Koike Akira. He's doing double duty. He's doing double duty, but he's more than capable of it. He's a, he's a, a, a former MD. Uh, I think he's I think he's also a piano player. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm confusing him with Mr. Xi, the head of the party. But nevertheless, he's always on television. He's well spoken. He knows what he's saying. He won't say anything like that. I'm sure. Mm-hmm now that that has now been established as being out of bounds. But it wasn't out of bounds, right. not until this week. You take a look at Fujino. He's a young, relatively young, good-looking um, member of the upper house. Yeah, he's, 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 he's a freshman. Right, he's a, he's a, and he's a freshman. He's a, he's a class of 2014. I mean, he's, he was in his first term, and he got this very powerful post. And saying what was the party line got him into trouble. Mm-hmm. We live in a very interesting world. He should know. I mean, his his career, his 
his whole buildup into going into politics was started by working within the Communist Party. Yeah, but the thing is that the, there is change in the air. Things are re. We, no one imagined that at the beginning of this year sure. that the parties, the, the the four parties that have come together, would actually be able by the time the election came around to have completely covered every single single member district it's huge. with with a, a joint candidate. Mm-hmm. Everybody's saying, oh, maybe 12, 13, no, 32. Every single member district has a joint candidate. This has indicating that to me that this is a very interesting election. And, and, and I say that because uh, Jerry Curtis, the great master of Japanese politics, the, the the election grand, campaigning in Japan. The, 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 the man who knows more about it than anyone else, sure. probably, has declared, more, well, did declare in a Wall Street Journal editorial that this is one of the dullest elections in recent memory. I, I, I respect him immensely, but I disagree. Well, that's because you and I, are, I mean, a lot of people who are, uh, you know, subscribers to our show are watching this very carefully, too. But the fact of the matter is, there aren't really any big issues that are telling people, you need to vote on this, you need to come out to the polls, and the, the LDP is kind of pushing this down. They don't want people to be excited. Even when you're out in, in town and you know doing your daily life, the election campaign trucks are not blaring as they normally do. I mean, it's, it's rather mild. It's really, okay, I'll take that as that criticism of my position. Nevertheless, we are facing change. Mm-hmm. And the work that the JCP has done in reaching out to other parties is so unlike the JCP that that you and sure. I know. Right. It's something that this, where where did this creature come from? Until now, they've always been autonomous, autarkic. We will have a candidate of our own in every district, whether it helps the LDP or not. We don't care. We're there. They're they're accommodative. Mm-hmm. They'll work with others. They'll work with the socialists. They're supposedly second deadliest enemy after the Komeito. <laughs> There's something is in the air. Obviously, a sea change is going on. Yeah, and yeah. We, 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 ha- we should recognize that. Again, yes, they're a minor party, but they did really well in the 2013 election, mm-hmm. much better than they had ever done before. They did great in the House of Reps our election in 2014, getting 21 seats, more than they'd ever had, and, the, and with it, the ability to submit legislation. Mm-hmm. They are on a roll, and this, they seem to think that they've got a new game plan. Right. And right. I, I'm predicting that they'll do great in this next election that's coming up in July. Please stay tuned to this issue. It's really huge. 11 more days of election campaigning. The chief policy secretary for the Communist Party was forced to resign because of a statement he made a couple of days ago claiming that the SDF, the Self-Defense Forces budget, was a budget for killing people. Welcome back. As you know, we film on Thursdays and upload our episodes on Tuesday. Last week, after we filmed our episode, Great Britain decided to leave the EU in a referendum vote. This has caused shockwaves throughout the world and probably was the biggest piece of news to hit us in spite of the election campaign and all of the machinations going on with the Tokyo governor position. Michael, Brexit, how is this hitting you? Brexit is hitting me in that a lot of people suddenly asked me, What's your comment? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what, what what's the the Japanese view? And I say, 
Well, uh, the, there are the obvious things. There are a lot of Japanese companies that established their offices and factories inside the United Kingdom with the expressed understanding that it was going to stay in the, in the EU and it would be a base that would be the easiest for them to have that entry point. Well, that investment, particularly in automobiles, right. is, is now in question. And certainly for large corporations like Hitachi, which has been providing the, the United Kingdom with high-speed rail, their plan, of course, was to sell high-speed rail all the way through the continent. That's also now in question, and now they're thinking about you know, what, is, what is their position. The obvious first thing that happened, of course, was that the yen shot through the roof. Uh, as investors around the world sought some kind of refuge from the currency collapses and the, and the mm -hmm. market collapses that happened as a result of totally the unexpected, wasn't it? Well, it wasn't unexpected. You could predict that it would have ha that there would be some kind of movement, but nevertheless, the idea was, or the, the general feeling was, that th when push came to shove, the British would be sensible. Mm -hmm. They would come out and say. Well, that was a great deal of fun, but we're staying in. <laughs> and and they didn't. No, and there's no do-over. There is, and the, 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 the entire world, of course, suddenly had to react to an, uh, a concept that was much like the Trump presidency. Right. Something you don't want to think about. Right. Uh, and nevertheless, should. Uh, in this case, Brexit has come up and, and slammed this country's economy, particularly in this very, very delicate period. Mr. Abe is now having to explain how his government is going to be counteracting the effects That's right. of this Brexit uh, referendum. And They're storehousing some cash, making sure that the, the money will be available for The liquidity companies. will be available for Japanese financial firms, everything. Yeah, and that's just basic housekeeping. But beyond that, the right. basic fundamental core of Abenomics, if you want to, if it still deserves to be called that term, mm -hmm. is the devaluation of the yen. And the hopes that all kinds of good things would happen out of that. There would be the birth of inflation, right. that there would be economic growth, that there would be all kinds of things tumbling out of the basic flooding of the market by the Bank of Japan with cash, with the availability of funds. Mm -hmm. This would have an initial effect upon Japanese corporate profits because with the exchange rate change, they would be able to declare their foreign profits as being worth far more in terms of yen, right. and it all looks beautiful and starts a virtuous cycle. Well, the mm -hmm. cycle has never established itself in terms of wages. It's nowhere near where it gets to be, needs to be in terms of prices, and everything has come to a complete halt, and then this happens. Right. You know, this was done through a, a popular referendum, and it looks like maybe referendums are not really the way we should go, and the Japanese are also confronting a potential referendum vote if, in fact, the Abe administration is successful in capturing two-thirds of the upper house, it already has two-thirds of the lower house, and forcing a referendum on the revision of the Japanese constitution. Yeah, the referendums have, do not exist on a national scale. They do exist in local scales, and but they're non-binding mm -hmm. in the Japanese case. Unlike the vote that was happened in the UK, they really are merely expressions of opinion. Mm -hmm. They have no force at all. Many local governments, however, allow them in order to judge what the, the voters like, and many of them have indeed adopted the, the changes that have been demanded when those 
referendums have delivered a significant message. We want things to go this way. But normally here in Japan, referendums are are Mm -hmm. an alien thing. They're not something that has any basis in, in law. There is now, however, a law for a referendum on the Constitution. That was something that did not exist before Mr. Abe himself and his, when he was the first time in the, uh, the prime minister, he actually put that law into place. Before his ter- first term, there wasn't even a method of having this national referendum. Now we have that law. All we need now is the two-thirds in the House of Councillors. Right, and then it goes for a referendum, 50% votes. We want to revise the Constitution according to the recommendations that have been provided to us, or we don't. And the thing is, with the result of Brexit, which, which has this very close vote and where... Everybody was thinking, oh, it'll just be business as usual, status quo, and the status quo was overturned. Right. That's going to have an interesting message to some people regarding the advisability of a referendum on the Constitution. Well, you remember, Michael, when the prime minister and the finance minister were in Sendai meeting with the G7 leaders, the prime minister said, you know, you need to help us because there is an, a, a financial collapse that is just, it's a calamity just approaching us, so you need to support our policies And we talked about this briefly, and everybody just kind of ignored him and was very polite and changed the subject. But in fact, this exit from the EU has triggered a calamity of the scale that we enjoyed under Lehman Shock. Yes. Abe Shinzo, market guru. Yes. (laughs) Who would have ever thought that? Who would have ever thought that? But he's, I mean, inadvertently... He was absolutely right. Right. Uh, it wasn't for the term, the reasons that he said he was looking at commodities prices. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you the, the requests that he was making regarding various policy changes now make complete sense in light of what has happened in regards to Brexit. So the prime minister had a window of opportunity to close the lower house at the same time that the upper house is going for election anyway. He missed that window of opportunity. He went through G7, Obama's great speech at Hiroshima, and then he canceled the imposition of the consumption tax. And now we are in the election campaigning of the upper house yeah. only. Yeah. And, and he, he did miss an opportunity there. but And part of that was due to that rejection that mm-hmm. he received for his this trial balloon that he set up. There's going to be a, a, a financial crisis. Well, it was a missed opportunity for him, but then again, in terms of what we've been looking at at the, at the House of Councillors level, it's going to be a pretty interesting election there and might even be a little bit tougher than people imagine. The upper house election, you're saying? Yes, that's right. So the, the a, House of Councillors election enough, is work enough for Mr. Abe and company. Right. As a consequence of the exit from the EU, that's going to have a what, a, a negative effect on, on the Abe administration? It might may require the Abe administration to make some extra excuses about or explain, give some extra explanations why Abenomics isn't working. Uh, but the uh, DP and the, the four-party coalition's message, Abenomics isn't working, hasn't seemingly ignited voter rage or anger against the LDP. The numbers in the polls have not budged. So Brexit, I don't think it's going to matter much either. Stay tuned. We'll see if Brexit has an impact on the upper house elections. Welcome back. The upper house elections are a week away, and it might benefit us to review what the upper house is, 
what it's comprised of, and what's potentially at stake. Okay, the upper house of the House of Councillors has 242 seats. Half of them are up for election every three years. Mm -hmm. So 121 seats are available at this time. And at the present time, the Abe administration has 114 seats. That's the, the LDP. And its coalition partner, with the coalition partner, it has a majority. 114 is less than 121. With the Komeito, it has over the 121 limit. So it's been able to pass all kinds of legislation as it wants. Mm -hmm. Now, the number everybody's talking about is 162, which is the two-thirds majority in the House of Councillors. If they reach 162 seats after this election, then that opens the Pandora's box of moving from a discussion of possibly changing the, the Constitution to actually having the power to do so. Right. Now, I mean, I, I wish there was a way we could show this. Well, I don't know. If, if maybe we had, like, visual aids or what does the Japanese television do? You know, they, well, they, 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 they do the, the cheesy stuff with, with, you know, actual objects. You know, could we come up with something like that? I mean, it might help us explain it. Okay. What do you okay. got there? Ah, this, 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 is, this is the House of Counselors. Okay, what you have is the House of Counselors, class of 2013. What I have is the House of Counselors, class of 2016. So this is the way the distribution of LDP and various parties were three years ago. That's right. When the election, after the election took place in 2013, we have a big LDP majority, and we have the DPJ getting really trounced. Here's the Komeito, the alliance partner, and here are the communists. They did really well. And then these all these minor parties have a small number of seats. But you can see the, the big issue is the huge disparity between the LDP and the DPJ post-election. Now this over here, what I've got, is the election that's happening this year, the 2006, class of 2016. Here, this is almost equal. This is really the last place in Japanese politics where there's a two-party system. And the DPJ and the LDP are practically equal. And then we have the Komeito and the Communists, and all these seats are up for grabs this year. Now, why is this significant? In 2013, we had almost exactly the same kind of situation, what you have over here, as we have now in terms of the pre-election polls. The pre-election polls are saying that people really don't like the DPJ and really like the LDP. They're running at about a four to one ratio. Four times as many people say they're going to vote for the LDP as say they're going to vote for the DPJ. Those numbers haven't changed in three years and they certainly haven't changed over the last year, no matter how much and whatever the DP has done. It's merged with another party. It's working in a four-part alliance. Nevertheless, its numbers have not gone nowhere. Now, what happens in that case to these two columns? Well, let's look what happened in 2013. Would that be okay? That's good. All right, let's do it. Okay, so we have this one. Now, this is the situation that existed in the 2013 election. The DPJ had a huge majority of seats, and the LDP was fighting it. But it's still pretty pretty close to a two-party system, very, very equal. Put it, put it into context. Mr. Abe was just in his first term of office after the uh, DPJ was in power. That's right. And this was the first set of DPJ office holders to come up for election in the House of Counselors after 
the LDP wiped them out of the House of Reps. Right. And returned to power, Mr. Abe was prime minister. That's right. So this first House of Councilors election, what happens to the DPJ votes? That many gone. They lost 27. And in that election, the LDP picked up 31. Coming back with a vengeance. Coming back with a vengeance. And the thing is, this group that I got here, they have the same polling numbers prior to the election. And I bet that this one over here is going to look a lot like this one post-election. And if so doing, something really interesting happens in my view. And that's if you're still looking at this. Those must be the undecided and unaffiliated voters. No, no, no. This is the number of seats that the LDP needs to be able to form a government by itself. Now, I'll take I will take this one and put it next to the seats that aren't up for election. And if you could handle hand me the ones that are up for election. Oh no. Oh yes. They're almost there mm -hmm. already. So for this election, for me, has always been them getting from this point to this point, and it's not far. And considering what happened in 2013, they're going to make it. And that's going to put a big hole in the alliance between the coalition of the LDP and the Comato. Can I see your alignment once again? Sure. So this means that were the LDP to win all the seats that they are pretty much assured to win, all they need is they don't need the Cometo. They could pick up some other party as an alliance partner. They don't need to do that. They're, remember, back, they won 31 seats last time. They were more than enough to reach that position. This is a, this is a done deal, in my opinion. So their partnership with uh, Cometo is looking like it's Kind of on the skids. Well, it might be. But what what's, I don't have enough blocks for, and I don't think Mr. Abe has enough blocks for, is 162 seats. That would be a tower that won't even fit in my television frame, and I don't think Mr. Abe has a chance at that. That's for two-thirds. That's the two-thirds that's constitutional. So for Michael Chuchek, that's the, that's the uh, set of blocks we have to pay attention to. If you're ever wondering what we're doing when we're not filming Tokyo on Fire, this should give you something of a hint. This is a very critical election for the upper house. Please stay tuned.